Hello, and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. I'm your host, Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. We at MTC teach parents how to eliminate the daily meltdown and shutdown cycle for your sensitive children and teens. Highly sensitive children make up 15 to 20% of the population, according to research that has been gathered for over a century. And this podcast answers one question. How can you raise emotionally intelligent children, stop walking on eggshells, and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. Hello, I'm Megan Thompson, licensed clinical professional counselor and registered play therapist supervisor. So first, just briefly a little bit about me. I've been working with sensitive children and teenagers for over a decade at this point. Right now, I run a group private practice in Maryland, and also through our coaching company, which is why you're here, we run a international coaching program for parents with sensitive children, and then also work with teens and their parents in a, in a different program for sensitive teens. So. What we're gonna speak about today is understanding more about the personality trait that is highly sensitive personality trait. So I'm gonna break this down in many categories for you to understand more about sensitive children or teens who are struggling in managing big emotions. We help our clients eliminate the daily meltdown cycle, whether that be with your child or your teen- or teenager with outbursts and um, likely isolation for sensitive sensitive teens and sensitive children are dealing with daily meltdowns, running away, hitting, kicking, screaming, etc. at home frequently. So stay tuned to make sure that you're in the right place. So um, first I wanna make sure that we're covering all of what we need to cover related to the highly sensitive personality trait, okay? So highly sensitive is a technical term and the term used in the research is sensory processing sensitivity. Now, those two terms are used interchangeably. However, in most internet information, you're going to see the term highly sensitive person or highly sensitive child. Highly sensitive child will pertain to children of all ages under 18 and uh, highly sensitive people, HSP, pertains to all highly sensitive people. Highly sensitive person usually pertains to highly sensitive adults. So now that we've got the terminology out of the way, sensory processing sensitivity is the term used in the research. Now this term was coined by Dr. Elaine Aaron in the 90s. However, sensitivity as a personality trait has been studied in the mental health field for over what's the math now, (laughs) 80 years, since the 60s, 1960s. So knowing that, it's important to understand that while Elaine Aaron coined the term, sensitive people have been identified way beyond uh, her work and uh, studied in different avenues. So I have the training to work with sensitive people with chronic suicidal thoughts, chronic self-harm, and that is our expertise in our private practice especially for teenagers, that is our uh, practice. And then also parents of young children, we work with young children directly in the private practice. So now that you're understanding a little bit more about the expertise and a brief overview of the history, I want to focus on 
whether or not your child is highly sensitive, give you a brief overview, and then we'll, we'll discuss other resources for you to discern more about the highly sensitive trait and whether or not this category, this temperament type, fits for your child. Now, first thing to, to be aware of is that the sensitive personality trait, sensory processing sensitivity, is categorized in four components. Now, I have a longer video that can walk you through this, and I wanna give you a brief overview today because if you're here deciding whether or not this group makes sense for you, then you wanna, you wanna make sure that you pay attention and, and uh, follow through on the rest of the video. So there are four categories in the highly sensitive trait, D-O-E-S. Uh, the acronym DOES is how Elaine Aaron does divided the components of the trait. So first is depth of processing. Depth of processing is the category of how a highly sensitive person or child's brain takes in information from the world and sifts it out. Now, highly sensitive people make up anywhere between 15 and 30% of the population, depending on what researcher you're reading um, and what research you are, are following. And so when we think about the category of being highly sensitive in the personality trait, think of it like a type A person, type A, type B person, introverted person, extroverted person, right? They are a subsect of the, pers of the population. So um, being highly sensitive is not the same as being introverted and being highly sensitive is not the same as being shy. Those are um, descriptors and uh, introversion, extroversion, they are not mutually exclusive. That means that there are highly sensitive people who are extroverted and there are highly sensitive people who are introverted. And I talk about the stats in a different video, again, linked here. So um, what, what I wanna cover briefly here is how highly sensitive children experience the world and what details they process. So depth of processing, could also be related to or considered related to being detail oriented. And what this means is that highly sensitive children take in more information from the world and it and they sift through it at a, at a different level, right? So what, what do I mean by that? Um, your highly sensitive child might experience uh, an event like um, watching two children interact and they may ask you a bazillion questions about that experience. Whereas your non-highly sensitive child or your highly sensitive child's peers might not put as much thought into the event. So we see highly sensitive children thinking about things and asking questions about exp their experiences at a deeper level than non-highly sensitive children. So typically parents are surprised by their child being quote unquote wise beyond their years or perceptive or very thorough in their questions. So highly sensitive children who are struggling with the daily meltdown cycle can develop symptoms of anxiety because of this, right? All of the what ifs that they might be processing. What if this happens? What if that happens? And if that happens, what if that happens? So we're gonna keep it simple to understand the trait for now, uh, but stay tuned to all the, the videos that we have here to understand more about the meltdown cycle if that is one of the reasons why you're here. So um, when we're categorizing depth of processing, I want you to think about it like looking at a, um, 
like clouds in the sky is one way that I explain it. So a highly sensitive person might see a cloud in the sky and be able to discern that that cloud um, is in the shape of a mushroom and then tell you that the other clouds are in the shapes of different parts of a forest, um, like a tree over here and this is a bush and, and therefore that the, the um, the cloud is shaped like a mushroom and that mushroom is in a forest and they're they're adding more detail to the event whereas a non-highly sensitive child might look at a cloud and say it's a mushroom because it goes up down and around and that's it it's just a matter of fact that's all they are processing in that moment and um neither is right or wrong it's just different and we, different people make up the world and we need highly sensitive people in the world. The highly sensitive personality trait has been found in over 100 different species. So we need people who notice the lion in the brush when the rest of the cavemen were hunting the antelope over there, right? We need people to notice small details, to process things differently and to look at the big picture in a different way. So. Um, that's a little bit of my soapbox as to why being highly sensitive does not mean that you are broken and it does not mean that your child is broken. It is not something that's wrong, which is why it's designated as a personality trait, not a disorder. It's not a mental health disorder or something that you're, that a mental health provider needs to diagnose. So the next component is being easily overstimulated. So what does that mean? If you're taking in more information from the world, right? In everyday experience, you're processing more of that experience, then you're gonna be overstimulated by that, right? Think about feeling flooded with information. So a highly sensitive person can experience the world like, well, excuse me, a highly sensitive person without skills can walk through the world as if they are moving through the world without skin. So when we think about the information that you would be getting from the world if you just walk in the room and you don't have any skin, right? The, the air on your, your body is gonna feel raw. Um, your emotions, if somebody bumps into you, is going to feel raw. Your social skills may be interpreted differently if you don't know how to process how somebody speaks to you and advocate for your needs. So the stimulation in your environment is not just due to sensory experiences, it's also due to how people relate to you, the busyness of what's going on, and how the world is responding to non-highly sensitive people. So 80% of the population not being highly sensitive, right, is not highly sensitive. That means that the world is built more for non-highly sensitive people. So as a result, your sensitive child might make mountains out of molehills, might have reactions, and we'll talk about this in a minute, that seem incongruent with the situation. They might have meltdowns that seem to come out of the blue. And so it's important to notice that your sensitive child may be experiencing big emotions and have a outburst or a freak out or a panic attack, etc. If they are overstimulated by that environment, that means that there's just too many things going on. Now, if that's happening daily for any child, that's not developmentally appropriate. So stick around, keep listening to understand more about the trait and, and what is typical to the trait compared to what is atypical to the trait, um, but a symptom of the meltdown cycle. Okay, so next um, 
so being easily overstimulated might be that you're, let me just ma name one more thing. Um, your child may struggle in crowds. Your child may struggle at carnivals, um, fairs, which um, your child may struggle in the cafeteria because it's very loud and there's an echo. Fireworks might scare the crap out of your kid. Um, in other situations, you might notice that when your child is calm, they can handle tags on the back of their shirt, seams in their socks, right? So that's a sensory overstimulation. However, when they're stressed, they've had rough day, they've had a really tough um, experience over the last couple of days, then all of a sudden, they're freaking out by things that didn't used to bother them, right? So it's important to observe that being easily overstimulated is a compounding issue if you're, uh, if you're not aware of how to slow down the vulnerabilities for your highly sensitive child. So this is where parents often get tripped up because they try to connect it to um, an always experience. And my child is always overstimulated. That's more relevant for a neurodivergent experience like sensory processing disorder or autism spectrum disorder. Highly sensitive people can have really inconsistent um, experiences of being overstimulated because it's not a disorder where the brain is always confused by that information, doesn't know how to sort that information and put it into categories. Um, and I'll speak about that in, in a little bit more detail at the end of this video. So um, when we think about the challenge that sensitive people and sensitive children can have, one more thing that we want to cover is the, um, the third component of the trait, which is being easily, sorry, which is emotional reactivity or emotional responsiveness and empathy. Now those two things go hand in hand, which means if your child is emotionally responsive and that is negative in the sense that they are reactive to the moment, then they're probably not demonstrating their empathy, right? So a sensitive child without skills can really struggle to integrate their experiences of empathy and to show that they are an empathetic person. Now, with that being said, highly sensitive people are more empathetic than non-highly sensitive people. So you'll see that your highly sensitive child in some instances, especially if they don't have a lot of skills to manage their emotions, they will express being deeply compassionate, being deeply caring of somebody else's experience, worried about other people and their own um, experiences or, worried about how their, their actions impact other people or how other people's ac actions impact other people. They might report to you that the teacher yelled at Sally last week and they've been thinking about it, thinking about it, thinking about it day in, day out. That is a symptom of empathy without the skill to process it. And so you can see that the depth of processing component of being highly sensitive without the skill to then categorize experiences and then move out of that category and, and, and let it rest can then let the um, can then lead to empathy festering and uh, without being able to process their empathy they can be emotionally responsive in a negative way which can also be considered emotionally reactive hence the meltdown cycle so or the outbursts that you're seeing so when we think about the challenge that you might be having in parenting your highly sensitive child, we hear lots of parents who are struggling with the meltdown cycle that um, their highly sensitive child can, can care very deeply in some situations and then can seem either flippant or because they can get aggressive 
or struggle with their big emotions so much that they're physically violent or verbally aggressive, uh, parents can feel really confused by that contradiction. So make sure that you are, well, I should say you're in the right place if those are experiences that you're having because we teach all about how to break out of that cycle. So the next component is noticing that your child is sensitive to subtle stimuli. So sensitive to subtleties for short. What that means is that your sensitive child might notice when you look at them and you're making a face like that, uh, they can have a high level of responsiveness to that, right? So this goes back to the E component. They are sensitive to that in the sense that they will pick it up more so than non-highly sensitive children. And they will also retain that information uh, without being without the skill of being able to process it and let it go. So noticing that your sensitive child may really struggle with taking in your feedback if you are trying to help them manage their emotions, trying to help them feel uh, less anxious, supporting them in being okay with uh, disappointment or frustration or aggravation or surprises. And this can lead to meltdowns and frustration, again, as for you as a parent, uh, especially if it feels like their reactions to what's going on seems to not match the situation. So it's really important that you're noticing that if your highly sensitive child is picking up little details and is very detail oriented, that can be a strength if they have skills to manage those details and to advocate for themselves. So what does that mean? That means that your highly sensitive child likely may have an engineering brain or an artist's brain or a therapist's brain. And with skills to manage their big emotions, they can notice small details and take those details and use them for good, uh, to be a force for good in the world. And with that being said, the, the skills to manage their big emotions and sift through their experiences and name their experiences and ask for help and let go of a difficult situation safely and, um, and, and ask questions if they need to, those are all skills that your highly sensitive child needs in order to not be in the trap of the meltdown cycle. So when we think about the, the challenge that you might be having in parenting a highly sensitive child and figuring out whether or not your child meets the criteria, I wanna just recap all four components of the sensitive uh, trait, high sensitivity trait at this point to make sure that you are clear. And again, I have uh, more resources in the links above this post to help you discern even further um, whether or not your child is highly sensitive. So again, depth of processing, taking in more information from the world, thinking about um, your child's uh, filter of information, like um, you know the birds chirping in the background, the uh, the way that the teacher is talking, a thought about the the way that the teacher says a sentence, and then wondering what what they mean by that sentence. Could it mean this, that, or that? Whereas um, you, if you're not highly sensitive, might take in that sentence and notice the implicit uh, statement. So for example, a teacher might say, okay guys, um, you need to, I'm trying to come up with something out of the, the drop of a hat, make sure that you are kind and um, a highly sensitive child might 
um, might take that as a rule and then wonder why other people are not kind all of the time. And then notice that, well, wait a minute, sometimes the teacher isn't kind. Sometimes um, the teacher raises her voice. What, what does that mean? You know, and, and so the black and white thinking can really be a challenge for highly sensitive people trying to make sense of specific rules and live in the gray of, of how the world is. And so another component about being, uh, of, of having a, a deep processing child is that they may be given a task, uh, like to write an essay or to, to finish a paragraph or to write a few sentences about a certain topic. And they may struggle to get started on that because they are, their brain is moving a mile a minute and it is difficult for them to weed out uh, relevant and and seemingly irrelevant information because a highly sensitive child notices that a lot of things are very, very relevant. And that does not make it wrong. Um, that does not make it, um, and then their assignment is not wrong, but it's difficult for them to get started on those assignments. So um, again, as I mentioned, I have a, a deeper video that kind of breaks this down more. Next is being easily overstimulated. And so what that means, as I mentioned before, is that the information coming into the world from, from them, from the world is bigger and uh, that felt differently. So loud noises are louder, might be. Um, faces, facial expressions might be more intense, etc. cetera. Uh, sensory information like touch, taste, smell, um, in addition to the other ones that I've already mentioned, can be more upsetting if your child is uh, overstimulated and um, is, is in a busy place or has had a busy day. And then la lastly is related to the, the emotional responsiveness of those experiences and the sensitivity to subtleties. So being able to notice those small details and struggle with managing those um, small details and categorize them enough to be empathetic to others and process their empathy because they feel other people's feelings, um, excuse me, they notice other people's feelings. And um, actually that's a good point for me to make. A highly sensitive person isn't always an, an empath who feels other people's feelings as if they are their own, but they will notice, they will notice other people's feelings more. Um, now, a sensitive child without skills can notice those feelings, but not know what to do with them. And so that's really important for you as a parent, discerning whether or not your child's highly sensitive to, to note that. Uh, don't make it mean if you, you know, if you notice that your child can really struggle to act on empathy, that they are not empathetic. Those two things are, are not the same. Okay. Um, we've got a, a pretty brief overview of what I just covered in the last 20 minutes. Now we're going to go into understanding the difference between sensory processing sensitivity and sensory processing disorder. So sensory processing disorder is a neurological difference in the brain. So it is, an, it, it is considered neurodivergent, which means that the brain in layman's terms, the best way that I've heard parents feel uh, that I've effectively explained it to them is that when the information comes in from the world, like sensory information, um, the brain doesn't know what to do with that information. It can get confused by that information and overwhelmed by that information and then not know what to do. So it's a different skill set that is needed for highly sensitive people compared to people with sensory processing disorder. So um, highly sensitive children, their brains know what to do with that information, but it's just too much information for them to sort all at once. So 
Whereas a non-highly sensitive child who has sensory processing disorder can really struggle with sorting that information and they need tra brain training and uh, occupational therapy, mental health therapy, et cetera, to process that information. Um, and so that would be more appropriate to look for an occupational therapist um, evaluation and the STAR Institute, which is the resource that, I'll, I'll, um, that is up above this post. Um, is, is excellent in understanding sensory divergent kids and the difference between sensory processing disorder and sensory um, processing sensitivity. When your child is struggling with sensory processing disorder, you wanna check out the STAR Institute and, um, and, and learn more about sensory processing disorder. So, briefly spoke a little bit about the challenges that parents of sensitive kids and sensitive teens can experience. And it's really, really important. And part of the mission of this group and the mission of Megan Thompson Coaching, the, the company that I run, that uh, for parents who are around the world know that there's a big difference between a sensitive child with skills and a sensitive child without skills. And sensitive children who don't have skills in managing their big emotions and categorizing the environment, they can end up with the meltdown cycle and parents need to be the ones to teach them those skills. Now, there's a ton of research that speaks about the fact that highly sensitive children are more receptive to changes in their parenting environment than to learning skills directly from somebody other than their parent. And that is super, super crucial to understand. And I talk about this in a different video, but this is the mission of MTC, that we help parents of sensitive children support their children in learning those skills because we know that we help awesome parents with awesome kids just learn awesome skills. So there's a big difference between feeling like your kid is broken and needs to be fixed compared to noticing that your child is missing some skills and that is a heck of a lot easier to learn and adjust and, and to, to change than to think that your kid needs to be uh, changed themselves, right? So uh, we help our clients eliminate the daily meltdown cycle and we do that uh, through our programming. Now, for highly sensitive teens, obviously their involvement needs to be uh, more relevant and their, their uh, commitment to changing how they take in information from the world and process that and manage their own emotions, uh, that needs to be hand in hand with their parents. So I have trainings linked above for you to understand the, the five shifts that our clients make in order to eliminate the daily meltdown cycle for children and the outburst isolation cycle, perfectionism cycle for highly sensitive teens. Now. Those two things go hand in hand, but it's a different, uh, just different training for different age groups, right? Okay, because you may have a highly sensitive child who's perfectionistic and uh, what we teach is also relevant. Okay, so let's make sure that I cover the last piece, which is understanding the resources related to learning more about the highly sensitive trait, given that you just arrived to this group and knowing for sure that you're in the right place, right? So there's a couple of resources that we'll be linking. One is a link to my website to understand more about whether or not your child is highly sensitive. That link is relevant whether your child is two or 22. <laughs> now we work with parents whose, um, whose teens are still in high school, but um, it's important to understand the difference. And many of you have children across the lifespan and you might uh, benefit from understanding how 
um, your older children are relating to the world if you came to us um, to related to your younger child. Now, next is a resource related to the shifts, as I mentioned before, that you need to make as a parent in order to break out of the meltdown or outburst cycle, respectively. And uh, lastly is the link to the STAR Institute to understand more about sensory processing disorder. If you still need more information about whether or not your child is uh, demonstrating a temperament type, now it's important to, um, to, to be clear that a temperament type means that your child is likely processing things when they are calm much differently than when they are not calm. And that is a big marker between the difference of sensory processing disorder and sensory processing sensitivity. All right, so the STAR Institute would be more relevant if your child is always overstimulated by different sensations, um, whether they're calm or not. Uh, that's more of a, a, a clear indicator that they might fit the criteria for a sensory processing disorder. Again, being a licensed clinical professional counselor, it's important to notice that I am not going to diagnose your child um, or your teenager. And I, uh, you know, not meant for therapy or diagnosis or confirmation of diagnosis. And it's also important to notice that if we feel like what we can do to will will support you, then we will point you in the direction of what videos would make more sense to um, to watch to 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 be clear on what you need to cover, and then also. Uh, speak to you directly about your particular family's needs if you are interested in that. Okay, that is it. Hope that you have a wonderful day and we support you in learning more about how to shift out of that dynamic with your child so that you can finally feel like you have a peaceful home that you know that your whole family deserves. Okay, have a wonderful day and speak to you soon. Thanks for joining me for this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you're ready to join a community of parents focused on eliminating the daily meltdown cycle and want more support, be sure to join our free Facebook group, Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja, where we provide free video trainings to parents just like you. You can find that in the search bar of Facebook or you can go to facebook.com backslash groups backslash parenting highly sensitive child. Thank you and have a wonderful day.